Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we're learning Davkuf Beis in Maseches Bava Kama. Um, and uh, Andrew, uh, remind me, we, we, uh, we know that it's never Hesech Hadas. We never take our mind off all our brethren in Israel, the hostages, the soldiers, all of Chola Israel, and everybody. We should have Yeshuos. Bezrat Hashem, Maseches Bava Learning. Okay. So we were in the midst of the discussion. We're going to pick up with, I think, Amar Rava, which is the last two words on Kuf Aleph Amad Beis. Midst of a discussion, the Mishnah was talking about dying, okay, dying wool, right? The nezek that you do when you ask somebody to do something, Phil, and then they do something totally else. So uh, there was a machlokes, which we're going to get into, Rameyer or Yehuda, as to what the payment would have to be. So let's say, again, Barry gives stuff to Phil to do, and Phil doesn't do it properly. Sorry, Phil. Uh, how much does Phil have to compensate Barry for it, okay? So we got into, from that, various forms of, of Isurei Hana and dying. That was over uh, yesterday. And, and one example is Shemitah, which has an Isur Hana. And there's a, di- there's, and we got into a dispute whether wood has Kedusha Shvius. Why? Because there's a Pasuk in Veikar Chafei Vav. Okay, so the Pasuk says, when you have Shvius, that what are you supposed to do? You're not supposed to work it and do commerce with it. Uh, you can eat it. You can eat stuff. And then it continues. The next word is for you. So what's going on? The Pasuk says It means the Hana has to be, as we say, coincident with consumption, right? So for example, kindling something, uh, wood, Right, lighting up wood maybe wouldn't suffice because it's being consumed and then only afterwards you're appreciating the warmth. So that's not similar enough to eating, right? Eating is an action where as you're getting the hana right away, it, as it's being consumed, you're getting the hana immediately. Ah. Then we just said, how about oily wood? What's, why, why is oily wood good? Because if it's an oily type of wood, then that is the hana, meaning the burning of the wood is giving you the flame and the heat and the light, and that's what you're using it for. So maybe then the kindling is the hana, and maybe that would be subject to, uh, to shvius. And that's how he got into it, okay? So then Amar Rava, so Rava took a stance on this, and as we get to the first words on Kofbezim and Alf, Stam eitzim lahasaka ehin omdim. You know, wood in general is for... Is for what? Lahasaka. For fuel. Okay? So it sounds like he's saying even the oily wood, it's really, since it's for fuel, it's not really so much for the torch, torches. And fuel would not be um, under the, uh, under the Lachla uh, category. And that's what Ravas says over there on the top. So to that, okay, we're going to talk about this idea of whether the Shemitah status of oily wood is. Is, is subject to, right, um, Shemitah or not, is going to be a machlok. It's that this question with regarding oily wood is actually, right, a machlok is tanaim. Let's go to Tanya. What did Bryce say? So you see what's going on here? What can you do with Peiros Shvius? So again, you're allowed to eat Peiros Shvius, right? But... Can you use them for other kinds of things? So Mishra is a soaking pool of flax. Chvusa is laundering. Okay. Rabbi Yossi Omer, so, so again, that's not eating. So that's 
the Tanakama would say that you cannot use it for these non-edible things, right? Because it's a little bit too removed from eating. However, Whoa. Rabbi says, yes, you can use the Shemitah produce in a soaking pool, a laundering pool, right? Obviously, you're using the fruit in some way to be like, uh, I don't know, like the way the lemons would be some sort of uh, detergent, that kind of thing, okay? You're using it in some way that helps the, the soaking or the, or the laundering. Now, it's not eating, but it is an immediate use. So the Gemara wants to know, my time at the Rabbanon. Why did the Rabbanon, why did Tanakhama say that you can't use the pair of Shavis for laundering, we'll call it? Because it's lachla, below the As we've said, the Pasuk says that you're only really allowed to eat the pair of Shavis, you're only allowed to use it for edible things, for eating it. That's what it mm-hmm. says. So when it says to eat, it excludes, right, that soaking and laundering. However, uses the next word in the Pasuk, Lachem, to teach you that you can use Peyrus for anything that is a use. Wait a minute, for everything? For all your needs? So what are we talking about? So let's see. So first of all, what did Rabbanu do with the Pasuk of Lachem? It says that you can use it for any of your usage. So the Gemara simply says, this is how the Rabbanu understand the Pasuk, as follows. Lachem dumya di la'achla. That you could use the fruit for any, for your purposes, and all of your purposes, but those purposes need to be what? Need to be similar to eating. In what way? As we said before, that where the consumption of it is coincident with the hana of it. So eating, consumption is coincident with hana. As you eat it, you get the hana. This, so the case of, let's say, soaking and laundering, it's still there, the fruit, uh, it's there. And then once you stick it into whatever detergent and soapy stuff is in there, it kind of gets all used up. And then subsequently the, the laundering process takes place and it's just not coincident with the consumption. The hana is not, and therefore the benefit is coming after the consumption. And for that reason, the Rabbanon will say that even though you could use it for any use, it's not in, uh, coincident with the consumption. And therefore, you we would not be able to allow to use those perosvias for laundering. Okay, so Rabbi Yossi Namiaksev laachla. Rabbi Yossi knows that the pasuk says laachla. So what does he do with the laachla? How does he allow these fruits to to be used for uh, laundering as well? So it says the Gemara. He would tell you that laachla is used in the same context that we use in the following brisa as follows. Says the brisa. Melugma uh, is a type of medicament, a plaster that you, that's like a medicament oil that you put on it. Um, Phil, if you're not sure what it is, just look at the old French of Rashi. It's Alampashtar. Okay. So, so now, what's the difference? It says, so the way Rabbi Yossi is going to understand it is like this. The Pasuk said la'achla, which means, again, on, shviyas, on, um, on Shemitah you're allowed to eat fruit, but you're not allowed to use those said produce to make your you know, medicinal bandages, okay? So, so wait a minute. La'achla, you're saying, excludes those medicinal 
bandages. But maybe you're going to say, oh, But maybe you're going to say that, no, lachla excludes laundering. Right? In other words, so when it says lachem, it's actually including something, right? So every, again, both are about an Arabia, so you're going to agree as follows, that le'achla means that the only thing that you're allowed to use on Shvius is that which is edible and the coincidence of consumption and hana. That's what lachla teaches you. And then lachem teaches you that there's extra things beyond what you would expect that kind of expanded beyond just food, okay? So in the case of, in the case of the Chachamim, they said, no, that, that only eating and things that are most similar to eating are going to be allowed, whereas laundering, it will not be allowed. Rabbi Yossi holds the same exposition of the Pasuk, but he just shifts it over. He says eating and laundering, that will be allowed, but using as a medicament, a bandage, it will not be allowed. But he's using the same word. Lachla is to teach you that it's similar to eating. And lachem is to, right, lachla, that it can only be similar to eating. And lachem is to exclude something. So in the case of Rabiosi, lachem is excluding the, the bandage. But still, uh, I'm sorry, the, the achla is excluding the bandage. And lachem is the including the laundering. Okay. So that's what he's saying, right? Shomer lachem harik vusa amor. It says lachem, it's including laundering. Hamani mikayim lachla. So what does it mean lachla that it has to be exclusive to something that's lachla? Lachla velomelumugma to exclude the bandage. Okay. So now what you have to ask yourself is, wait a minute, Rubiosi, what is he playing at over here? He thinks that lachla excludes bandage, but lachem includes laundering. What's the difference between bandage and laundering? What are these things? So it's the Gemara asks. The Gemara asks. Continues to say, Umara itala rabba sakvusa lhotzi tamalugma. Why does Rubiosi think that lachla is excluding bandages? And then Lachem is including laundering. Says the Gemara. Yeah. I am including laundering because that's something that everybody needs to do. That's why it's a good industry, Phil, to get into detergent. Because everybody's always going to need detergent. You always need to launder. Uh, and, however, medical supplies, eh, not everybody needs medical supplies. Right? We shouldn't need any medical supplies. Of course, some people uh, will need, but not everybody. So why? So again, if you say that something that's like what we'll call a household everyday general item, so in that way, it's similar to food. That's the point, right? Uh, anything that you'd find in Seven Mile Market, right, Andrew? So in Seven Mile Market, you'll find there's a food aisle, there's produce, there's crackers, and then there's detergent. You'll find laundry detergent, right? Everyday things that you use are all included in the la'achla. And all those things, for those things, you'd be able to use the, um, for, those, for all those things, you'd be able to use it. So in my market, you're not going to find, you know, prescription, um, prescription medicaments to put on bandages. Because that's already like a specialty item that you'd have to go to Rite Aid for. See what I mean? So the, only those household everyday usages are similar to Lachla, and that's the position of BOC. Okay. So now we're going to say, Kaman Azla Hadatanya. So now, so now we know what Rabiosi holds. We know whether Bonnet holds. Let's see. Let's play a game, so to speak. Let's see if we can figure out who the author of the following Brisa is as follows. Lachla Lim Lugma. The Brisa says that when it says Lachla, it means 
to exclude bandages, okay? Lachlav alolli ziluf. And to, it also excludes sprinkling. What's sprinkling, Barry? Rashi? Shemizalfin yayim bevayit. Aha. That you, they used to take a kind of um, wine and sort of like make a, one of these deodorizing uh, fragrant uh, liquid things. I don't know what they're called. Oh, diffusion. I got it. Like a diffuser, right? But that's only for the fancy, says Rashi. That's not for everyone. Only a fine schmecker. Only a schtaltzy fine schmecker would, would have diffusion in their house, Andrew. And therefore, again, so we're excluding things. This sounds a lot like Rabbi Yossi, right? We're excluding things that are not shavel cholodom. We're excluding the bandages and we're excluding the diffusion uh, fragrances. Lachlav lolasos mimena apiktozin. Apiktozin. That's an emetic, okay? So some people are using it for apiktozembic, uh, right? They're using it for like an ozembic kind of emetic type of purposes. So not everybody. Come on. So Kerbiosi. It's obvious. It's Kerbiosi, right? Not everybody's doing ozempic. Not everybody's doing the diffusion. Not everybody's doing the bandages. So that's what it means. The Achla excludes those things. It has to be Rebiosi, right? Because this is the obvious Rebiosi list, right? It's a list of things that are not Shavuot Chol Nefesh. Had it been the Rabbanon, we would have also included what? The laundering and the soaking pool. So clearly that is uh, Bryce that's according to Rebiosi. And therefore, we get to the two dots in the middle of the page. How do you like that? Okay. Now let's get back to the topic of our Mishnah. What did the Mishnah say at the two dots? Uh, a very interesting, a very interesting machlokas, right? Again, Barry gives, uh, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Barry gives Phil, let's say, red dye. He gives him wool and he wants it to be dyed red. And, and, and Phil says, uh, okay, I dyed it black and the whole thing like also went up in smoke. So it doesn't matter. So it all depends, says the uh, Mishnah. This is actually a machlokas. Basically, the typical uh, Tanakama would say that Phil just pays Barry back for the wool, the, the wool that he lost, right? And that's it. What if there was a shvach, right? If there, what if there was improvement? In other words, before it went up in smoke, Phil, you somehow improved it. You did what you're supposed to do. So that's an interesting thing. You, Phil, used in all good faith, with no intention of harming anybody, you used some, some of your good resources in order to benefit as well. And maybe it even worked. So now, or let's say it didn't even go up in smoke. He wanted red and you gave him black. So does he have to pay for the improvement of the wool? And what if the black is, makes it less valuable, right? So all of these things, Rabbi Yehuda is going to say that whichever was that you're going to have to pay back the owner, okay, not just for the wool, the actual raw materials that he gave you, but you may have to pay back the owner for some of the improvement that happened, the lesser of the two. And you'll see, in other words, either your expenses that you paid, that, that you put in, or the actual improvement. So let's say, for example, you put in $10 worth of resources and it made it $100 more valuable. You're going to only have to give Barry another $10 on top of it, right, if it got destroyed. 
Um, conversely, right, if you put in $100 worth of your materials, but somehow it only appreciated $10, you're only going to give them the appreciation um, uh, of the wool. So, so let, let's look at the Amoraim uh, and see if they can work out what's consistent with Rameir, what's consistent with Behuda. That's going to be where we're going to be spending most of our time going forward here on this stuff. So as follows. This is, this is a, a great sugya. Simon Saban. Uh, Andrew, remember the mnemonics so you'll know the Shakla Vitaria. You'll be able to say it, Balpeh, to Rabbi, what was his name? Yitzi Barn? Bort. Okay. I knew it sounded a lot like Yitzi Bar, but it wasn't Yitzi Bar. Okay. Yosef Reb Yosef Achoyer the Rebbe Abba. So Yosef is sitting behind Rebbe Abba. Kamei the Rav Huna. And he was sitting in front of Rav Huna. So it sounds like Rav Huna is giving shear. Yosef is sitting right behind Rebbe Abba and shear. Yosef Rav Huna Bekama. Yavuna is sitting and zugging the following sugi. It says like this. Okay, we're going to figure out what the context is. We're kind of walking in the middle of Shir Barry. And he's saying that the halachas are going to be and karcha, halachas are going to So what are we talking about? So Adrina Rabbi Yosef Lapay, right? So Yosef turns away in anger. He can't believe what Rabbi Huna is saying. Amar, and he says, Bishlam Rabbi Huna Karcha Itzrich. I can understand why Rabbi Huna is saying that the lachas are Yerushu ben Karcha. Salka daita chamino yachid varba lacha karabim kamash malan halacha kiyachid. Because the reason why it's necessary for a Buna to say that the lachas are Yerushu ben Karcha, we're going to see the context in a minute, is because you would have thought that since Yerushu ben Karcha is a yachid and he's going up against the sheet of the Rabbanon, you have to learn that, that you have to, it's a chiddish, so to speak, right? In other words, it makes, when it's notable to say that the halacha is indeed like Rabbi Shur Rin Karcha. Fine. Uh, so let's stop and find out what it was that Rabbi Shur Rin Karcha said. The suspense is killing me. So the Gemara, Rabbi Shur Rin Karcha Mahi. What did Rabbi Shur Rin Karcha say? The Rabbi said the halacha is like him. The Tanya. Following Bryson. Rabbi Shur Rin Karcha Omer, Milve Bishtar Ein Nifrain Behem. When, what? Okay, so the context is as follows, that there is a halacha, this is actually, as we will see, Bezat Hashem soon enough, the first Mishnah, in a vote, the first right, beginning of Avodah Zarah, is the following thing, that if you have a loan from a non-Jew, you cannot repay him that loan close to their holidays, like within three days. Why can't you repay him close to their holidays? Because it gives them so much Hana, and they're in religious mode, and they get so excited right before they buy all their presents for their loved ones to give them back their loan in the holiday season means they're going to start bringing karbonas to their avodazar of thanks. It's just going to increase their merriment during the holiday season, which means that it's going to increase their avodazar, and we don't want to do that, right? We want to avoid that. So we do not, right, we do not give them their money back during their holiday season because it's going to lead to more of Zara. Okay? Now, what does that have to do with the star? So the answer is, because if there's a star, then it doesn't matter. Give it to them, back, give them back the money next week, right? If there's a, it's a documented star, you could always, right, pay them at some other time. Or rather, they're giving it to you. Right? They're giving you the, the, the money back, right? Uh, collecting the loan. Um, yeah. The, the, what they're going to be, no, so I said, it, I said it backwards. I apologize. It's the same idea, but it's the happiness of them returning the loan. That's the only way it makes sense. The ha- they are returning the loan to you, and you, as the Jew, you're holding the star. Okay, so if you're holding the star, so then 
you could collect it this week or you collect it next week, says the halacha. We prefer that you collect it next week because if you collect it this week, they'll be so happy that they had the money to pay you back that they're going to make like a yantiv and bring a varzah. That's the way it is. Okay, fine. What does that do with the shtar? Because the Brisa continues and says, this is the Rabbi Shubin Karcha talking, that if it was an oral right loan, so then you do collect the money even though it's going to make them happy. And even though they're going to possibly bring it for the Zara, why? Right? This is like rescuing their money from your hand, from their hands. Because after all, you can't take the chance. I mean, yes, they're going to be happy they're going to pay you back, but it's just a Milval pet, like a bird in the hand, right? Like you're, you know, so some people hold, like if you, whatever. There's a sheet, right? There's a kosher money, Andrew, your, your podcast. Sometimes people have the attitude that, you know, we're rescuing the money from the guy's hands. So anyway, so the point is, in this particular case, it's a milval peh, and you're rescuing the money from their hands. In other words, because there's no star, right, is the point, so then it's not really secured, and so take it when you can. That's the bottom line. Okay. So that's why we have to say that the halachas of Shubin Karcha, nobody else said like him, and he had this, like, outlier shita, and everybody uh, had to know that we hold like this. We hold of this practice. Sir Vuna was saying that. Okay. Now, this is back to our topic now. Halacha Why do you have to say like halacha kerbihuda? After all, fascinating machlokas stamhi. As we will see, whenever you have a machlokas in the Mishnah, and then afterwards you uh, just have a stam Mishnah, you follow like the stam. Says the Gemara, machlokas stam halacha stam. Right? We're going to see. Right? What the case is. The case is going to be. Right in our backyard, as follows. Just to say outside again what we're saying. Let's say you had a machlokas or mayor of Yehuda. And then the following Mishnah, you would just say, Astam Mishnah didn't attribute it to a mayor, didn't attribute it like Rabbi Yehuda, but it clearly is saying the Shita of one of them. Right? Let's say it clearly would say the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda. So if it clearly would say the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda, so then that, the, the, the idea is that it sounds like we've already heard both sides, and now we're poskining by learning subsequently, right? Like one of the two sides sounds like we're taking a side, right? So it's not really, so, so at that point, it's not going to matter whether it's a yachid or a rabim or maybe, or, or maybe in our case, we don't even have to get into yachid versus rabim because it's just going to be Rameir versus Rabbi Yehuda. And we've, we've outlined both sides. And then the next Mishnah, we're saying something, not in the name of anybody, but it's clearly Shittas Rabbi Yehuda. So therefore, clearly, that's what we paskin like. Now, the, the question that they had on Ravuna is, if it is indeed uh, obviously identified as a machlokas, stam, so then it's obvious. If it's obvious it's a machlokas, stam, then it's obvious like we paskin like Rabbi Yehuda, and therefore Ravuna does not have to say that we paskin like Rabbi Yehuda because it's redundant. Okay, so now we have like the framework of what we're looking for. We have to figure out what the context is. So let's get back into our backyard. What is the machlokas? What is the stam? What are we talking about? It says the following. Machlokes bevavakama. Our Mishnah is the Machlokes. What was the Mishnah? So now we get to see the Mishnah again. So what was the case? Again, Barry gives it to Phil to color the wool red. He colors it black. Or vice versa. Shachar tzvah adam, right? Gives it to black and gets it red. The mayor Omer. Mayor holds what? Nosen lo dmei tzmaroh. So, Barry, you didn't get what you wanted. You got the opposite of what you wanted. Phil's going to pay you back for the wool you gave him. Good. Yehuda Omer, as we said before, im hashevach yaser hal yitzia, no sen lo esay yitzia. 
right? So again, if making it, let's say, black instead of red, right, that cost Phil an extra, let, let's say that cost Phil five bucks and improvement 10 bucks. So then you're going to give the five bucks to Barry, right? Because after all, you're going to give him the lower amount. That's the bottom line. Why are you going to give him only five bucks? Because you invested the five bucks. Why should Barry, right? Um, why should Phil have to pay for the entire, right? The owner, well, sorry, the, the, it, ba- um, Barry, who owns the wool, right, pays Phil back for his expenses. That makes more sense, right? So again, no solo made tomorrow means that Phil is going to pay Barry. Again, what's the case? Barry gives Phil red wool and he asks him to dye it black. Uh, and asks him to dye it red. Black. <laughs> Let's do it again. Barry gives Phil red wool and asks him to dye it back. Black. Phil, well, or the other way. Barry gives Phil wool. He asks him to dye it red and Phil dyes it black. Sorry, guys. Now, we're, now I'm totally on track. Barry gives Phil wool, says dye it red, and Phil dyes it black. Okay, now we got it. So what happens is that Phil has to pay Barry for the wool, right? After all, Barry wanted red wool, and he got black. That's not what he wanted, so he's going to have to pay him for the wool. Rabbi Huda, that's what Rabbi Meir says. Rabbi Huda adds an interesting thing, and this is where we're going to get into it, okay? So now it costs Phil money to dye it black, right? And there was also an improvement, let's say, to the wool for dyeing it black. Okay, so now, in addition to Phil paying Barry, right, for the actual wool that Barry gave him, right, Barry has to pay Phil for, his exp- for the expenses. So that's what happened, okay. So let's say, again, we're gonna use uh, a little bit of rudimentary numbers. Barry has $10 worth of wool. He says to Phil, dye it red, right? And Phil dyes it black. He used $5, let's say, on the dye. So Phil's going to have to pay Barry the $10, right, for the wool that he, that he lost because he didn't give him the right thing that he wanted. But Barry's going to have to give him the money that Phil is going to have to still pay him for the expenses, which is amazing, right? Even though he didn't get what he really wanted, he's going to have to pay Phil for the expenses. That's what's going on. Okay. Now, it actually was worth more than that, right? Once Phil put in the expenses, it was worth much more than that. But Barry's not responsible for how much it was improved. He was only imp- responsible for how much Phil lost by improving it. That's what's going on, okay? So again, right, if the actual appreciation is more than the Yitzhia, you still, Barry owes Phil the lower amount, which is how much Phil put into it, okay? However, if the expenses, right, were more, so for whatever reason, it wasn't cost effective, but Phil put in like $10 worth of right, resources into this wool, and it only was appreciated five, so then los and los hashavach. So then again, interestingly, right, Barry's not high to give, right, Phil more than it actually appreciated because it was never, that was never gonna come to him anyways, right? It's not Barry's fault that Phil is being inefficient in his business, sinking in $10 worth of dye in order to only appreciate it five bucks, right? So, so, so either way, the point is that Barry's only have to pay him the lower amount, either the amount that Phil, right, invested in it or the amount of uh, appreciation that the wool had, right? But whichever is the lower, okay? So that is our Mishnah. That's literally, we just read over our Mishnah, okay? 
So that was the machlokas, because there we saw the machlokas of Rameir and Rebuda, right? Rameir held that, that all that, all that happens is that Phil pays Barry for the wool, right? And then Rebuda adds that Barry also pays Phil back for his expenses, even though, even though, uh, Phil, right? Barry pays Phil back for his expenses, even though Phil really didn't do what Barry wanted him to do. Okay. What's the star mission above Metzia? Now, mind you, we just have our missions in Baba Kama. Baba Metzia and Ayin Vav is months from now. What's going on here? The star mission says the following. The Tanan. The mission in Ayin Vav says, Kol HaMeshane, right? Any worker, in this case Phil, who deviates from the, from the specifications of what Barry asks him to do, Yodo ala Tachtona, right? Which means that if Phil changes from his assignment, he gets the lower, he has a lower hand in claiming compensation for his work, right? And anyone who reneges on a deal, which is not our case, our case is Mishane, right? Uh, black and red. But anyone who reneges on a deal, Yodol also has a lower hand. Now that sounds like Rabbi Yehuda because Rabbi Yehuda is asking you to pay the lower of the two things, whether it's the expenses or the Shevach. Okay, so what we have here, it sounds like we have the Mishnah and we have, right, so the Mishnah is Yodel Tachtona, so we have our Mishnah and we have Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda, and it sounds like the Mishnah in, um, in Baba Metzia is the Stam Mishnah, right, that's going to decide like Rabbi Huda. So the question is, why does Rav Huna have to say that the, the Lachal is like Rav Yehuda? The Mishnah above Metziah sounds like exactly like it's like Rav Yehuda. It says the Gemara, Rav Huna, Itzrich. He still needs to say that the Lachal is like Rav Yehuda. Why? Because you might have thought there's no order to the Mishnayis. And this could be not just, in other words, it could be that we learned the Mishnah above Metziah first, and then the Machlokas is here in Baba Kama. How so? Because after all, the Mishnayas that we learn, right? So Baba Metzia comes after Baba Kama, but they're not in chronological order necessarily, which is to say, we don't know that we learned the Mishnayas in Baba Kama before we learned the Mishnayas in Baba Metzia. So therefore, if you learn a Machlokas, and then after the Machlokas, you learn the actual Stam Mishnah. So then for sure, the Stam Mishnah is taking a stance on that Machlokas. That would be obvious. But just because we learn one in Baba Metzia and one in Baba Kama, there's no way to know which one was taught first? So you're saying, well, what does it matter? Well, the chronology is the only thing that matters because when you have a machlokas, and then you say you had a machlokas, that's the whole way, reason that a stam, machlokas stam works because you have a machlokas, and then subsequently it was thought about and it was decided in one way or the other. So once it was definitively decided, it matters whether that decision came after or before the machlokas. After all, if you had the, the, the this definitive decision first and then you sprouted a machlokas, that means that now there's a controversy, right? So it's obvious. So Ravuna is simply going to say, one is above Matiyam, one is above Kama. Those two are not necessarily in chronological order and therefore I have to tell you that in fact the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. Oh. So Rabbi Yosef, what's Rabbi Yosef going to say? Rabbi Yosef was uh, nonplussed. He couldn't believe that... that, that um, Rav Huna said that the halachas are Rehuda. He thought that that was obvious. He says, If you think that Bava Metziah and Bava Kama are not necessarily in chronological order, now you've done away with the whole halacha. What are we doing with this halacha? We have this idea that machlokas v'achakach stam, the halacha is like the stam. Well, if the Mishnayis are entirely out of order, then there is no machlokas v'achakach stam. We've totally undone the chronology of all the Mishnayis. 
the stam machlokasi, right? And then you can assume that everything is a stam machlokas. So says the Gemara, within a Masechta, the Masechtas were learned in chronological order, it's a big Chiddush, it's a beautiful idea, I suppose, that, it, that, that all of Bava Metziah could have been learned before Bava Kama, but within Bava Metziah, it would have been in a chronological order. Okay? So, we're talking about here, Bava Kama, Bava Metziah, one was not necessarily learned before the other. Uh, so what would Yosef's answer to this? Because Rabbi Yosef holds, famous idea, Kul and Nezikin, Chada Masechtahi. Wow. That what we call Maseches Nezikin, which in, includes Baba Kama, Baba Matziah, and Baba Basra, it's all one Masechta. We call it the first, the middle, and the last gate. But really, they're all gates to the same place, Maseches Nezikin, and therefore that's all one Masechta. Uh, that's one explanation. Another explanation is, so again, so because it's all one gate, Rabbi Yosef thought, that the chronology does matter, and therefore it is a machlokes v'achakach stam, and therefore it's obvious that, the, that we're referring to Shittas Rabbi Yehuda and Paskating like him, and therefore it's unnecessary for Rav Huna to mention so. That's one possibility why it was unnecessary for Rav Huna to mention the Dalach Halikas Rabbi Yehuda. Yibayisema, a second reason why it was um, not necessary to mention the, the, the um, Halakhas like Rabbi Yehuda for the following reason. Because Rabbi Yosef thought it was already paskin like Rabbi Huda, that we all knew that that was indeed the halacha. Why? Because we already learned, that this idea of any worker that we've already said in Bab Metziah, that we say later, that any worker who deviates from what he was asked to do has the lower hand in claiming compensation. So again, in the case of Phil having to compensate Barry for having done the wrong thing that Barry asked him to do, it's either going to be how much he invested or how much Phil invested or how much, right, uh, how much it appreciated, but the lower of the two, that's called Yadol Atachtona, uh, and that has already been established as a halacha. So once it's established as a halacha, it doesn't matter, this whole Stam versus Achakach, the whole chronology, none of that matters. All We know already that that's the halacha, and therefore it would be redundant to say that the halacha is like Rabbi Huda, and that was what the issue was that Rabbi Yossi had with Rabbi Huna's statement that the halacha was indeed like Rabbi Huda. Fine. So now says the Gemara, let's talk about two dots in the very last line as we turn to Bayes on the Bayes. Let's talk about another case where Phil unfortunately botched up what Barry asked him to do. Um, but Barry doesn't care. He loves Phil and he likes working with him. He's very pleasant. So he asks Phil to buy him wheat. And of course, Phil buy, takes the money, buys with him barley. Or so now Phil's a shliach to buy this stuff. And he buys the opposite of what Barry asks him to do. He asks for wheat, he gives him barley. He asks for barley, he gives him wheat. Tanya chada. So, we learn the Brisa. Im pachtu, pachtu lo. So, now, let's say, whichever he bought depreciated. So, who has to pay Barry? So, it sounds like that Phil is going to absorb that depreciation. Conversely, if it appreciates, then Phil's going to absorb the appreciation. Sounds like it becomes Phil's, all of this becomes Phil's ish, problem or, or, uh, or good, or for the good. In other words, like that, like, right, Barry asked for wheat, Phil got barley. That barley sounds like it's Phil. Whatever it's going to, the market price is going to go for that barley is going to affect Phil. We'll see. We'll analyze this. Betanya Chada, it was taught in one price, saying, Pachtu, Pachtu, Lo, that if it depreciated, then Phil absorbs it. Vimotiro, Tiro, Lamza. 
But if appreciated, then they're going to split it. We'll see why they're going to split it. But Barry and Phil are going to end up splitting that appreciation. So Amar Biochron. So, so okay. So we had two Bryces, right? One Bryce said that it's entirely Phil's. That's the first part. The other Bryce says that it's only Phil's for the loss. But if there's an appreciation, it's going to be split. So how do you reconcile these two Bryce's? So Rabbi Yochanan made a statement. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Lokasha, Harib Meir, Baharib Yehuda. Yeah. In other words, Rabbi Meir holds that everything's entirely fills. That's like Rabbi Meir. Right? It's, uh, whereas, where, that's, in other words, the, the first shita that says it's entirely fills is like Rabbi Meir. As opposed to the second brisa, which sounds like Phil and Barry have some sort of partnership in this thing, is Rabbi Huda, right? Because after all, it's Rabbi Huda who says it's this sort of like hybrid thing where Phil not only pays back, but he, but he pays back a portion, whichever is the lower. Sounds like Rabbi Huda. Okay, how so? Rabbi Yochanan is going to explain it. How Rabbi Meir right? So Rabbi Meir holds, it's a fascinating idea. This we see in Bava Metziah. Um, on Ayin Ches, it says, right? That's what the Gemara explains over there. Which means as follows. Again, Barry says, go get me some wheat, and he gives him money. Phil goes and he buys barley. So immediately upon buying the wrong thing, it's like he's a goslin. He didn't do it on purpose, but it, it's like he basically like took Barry's money, used it for the wrong thing, and now he's got this thing that doesn't belong to Barry anymore. It belongs to Phil. It's Phil's problem. That's the first price of it. All right? Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says no, that even though he's holding on to barley, that, Phil, that um, Phil's holding on to barley that Barry didn't want, right? It's still all Barry's because he is doing a shlichus of Barry's, Right? Oh, so that's, that's how Rabbi Yochanan analyzes the Bryces. So Matzki Flo Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar didn't like this. He said, Mimai, why do you think this has to do anything with Rameyer and Rabbi Yehuda? Dilma ad kan lo kam Rameyer, al bimidu de chazal gufe. Maybe Rameyer, right, didn't think that, that it becomes Phil except with something that's fit for Barry's use. And then it would become, right, you'd, you'd be konet. Avalaschara lo amar. But with respect to something that you bought for commerce, Right, maybe Reb Meir would would not say so. What do you mean, Right, so it says over here the last wide line in Rashi. Right, so in other words, if we're talking about commerce, right, we're talking about something that is not exactly you know immediate consumption, but you're trying to do right, you're trying to do uh, commerce with it in a certain scenario like that. So. It's really produce, right? Barry wasn't buying it necessarily. He wasn't saying, go get me bread from the Makolet. That's a different thing. That perhaps would be a scenario where uh, the Shinui would be Kone. He tells you to get him bread and you get him ice cream. That's a Shinui, right? Even though it's not a Shinui in the classical sense, you're changing his, what do you, what do you ask him to do? You're changing his directive and you're going to end up paying for that ice cream because he, had nothing, he didn't have any need for that. But he didn't send you to get a, something ready to eat. He sent you to get a commodity. This was like telling you to buy him a stock. So he was investing with you, Phil. You were his stockbroker. So that's a different thing. He told you to get IBM and, and, you, and you got AT&T. But you did it because you thought that was like the better stock. When he gave it to you, he gave it to you for investment. 
And so therefore, it's assumed, maybe, that if you change your mind, that if you changed his directive on that, maybe there, Ramey would say that that's not a shinoi that would affect the Kenyan. Because after all, what's Barry's intention? To make as much money as possible. Not like that you specifically necessarily buy one stock. Obviously, if, he, if you're going to buy him the better stock, right, then he would be okay with that. Oh. So, everything here is according to Ramey, but Lokasha. That's the difference, right? That if it were lachila, then the shinui is kone, like the first brisa. And if it's not lachila, it's for simply for commerce, so then it's not kone, and that accounts for the second brisa, and therefore it's not necessarily machlokes, um, in those two brises. However, for whatever reason, in Eretz Yisrael, they were mocking Rabbi Yochanan's uh, interpretation that it had to do with Rabbi Yehuda Rameir, right? Because they said, Rabbi Yochanan will leave it to Rabbi Yehuda. They thought it was funny that according to Rabbi Yochanan's opinion, that the second b'risa that says that they have like some sort of shared right, um, right ownership, that Phil and Barry have some sort of shared ownership in this changed directive, that that would be a reflection of Rabbi Yehuda. That, they thought that was hilarious. Why? Because they said, Because the question is like this. Right? The Baal Mos, right, is the investor. It's Barry. So the, the assumption in, in Eretz Yisrael was that the person who is selling the commerce, right? Selling the, the wheat or the barley has to have a das to give it to a person who's purchasing. Who is he giving it to? Who's the buyer? Phil, right? Phil's the one holding Barry's money. They had no concept of, of, of Barry. They never heard of Barry. And so how could they have, have Barry have any included shutfus, so to speak, in this purchase of Phil's if the person who's selling it to Phil has no awareness of Barry's existence? That was... The Shiloh they had in Israel, right? So to which, Matkaflor of Shmuel Bar, Sasrati, okay? Ihachi, what do you mean? If you're going to say that the only thing that can be, that the only person who can make the acquisition, right, <coughs> is Phil because the seller doesn't know that Barry exists, then then it wouldn't have anything to do with switching it up, chitin for barley. Then it's just a question of can Phil be really considered like a legitimate shliach in any way that affects Barry because the, the seller, right, has no idea that Barry exists. That's not a Phil switching Barry's directive issue. That's like a general issue. So that, that so he defended Rabbi Yochanan. So I'm a Rabbi Bo, shiny chitin, chitin, ovid. So see, it's different. Oh, wow. Fascinating, subtle lumdus over here. If Barry asks Phil to buy him chitin, and Phil does what Barry asks, so then that means that Phil is a shliach neman. That means that Phil is an extension of Barry, and therefore, even whether the seller of the chitin is aware of Barry's existence or not, by selling it to Phil, he's essentially selling it to Barry. It's implied. But once Phil breaks that trust, so to speak, by going off on his own rogue and buying something that Barry didn't ask him to buy, so then he's not a shliach anymore. Then it would matter whether the seller had, had Barry in mind. So it says, And therefore, since he's doing, Phil's doing Barry's bidding, he's like Barry. And therefore, it's for that reason that uh, you would, wouldn't matter whether you were aware of Barry. Fine. So now, okay, how do we, how do we support that? From the mission in Erechen, obviously, in Chavdalad. Teda. How is that true? That's not. Because that mission says like this. Let's say a person says, I'm being makdash all of my things for the base of mikdash, and even to donate my own value. Right? His erech. That's what erechin is about. The, so he's giving away, right? This guy's, they're going to write books about him. He's a big old tzaddik. 
He's giving all his worldly possessions to the base of Mikdash. Beautiful. Yeah, not necessarily beautiful. His wife and children don't think it's beautiful. He's giving away their clothes. So it says the, so the halacha is, it's not true. The Mishnah says that it's not included in giving away your earthly possessions. Your wife and kids get to keep their clothes. And even, right, those things that are currently being made or dyed at the clothes manufacturer, all of that is going to still be excluded, right, from his promise of giving everything to the base of Mikdash. And also, right, all the, all the new purchase, all the Amazon purchases, basically, of the kid, wife and kids are still going to belong to the wife and kids, right? So, Barry, you, you swore all your earthly possessions to the base of Mikdash. All the Amazon purchases are still intact. Your wife and kids get to keep that. It's, it's not your, or it's assumed that you uh, had that in mind. Right, so why would that be true? Lema hachanami. Wait a second. Maybe we should say it there too. Who told who who told right these guys uh, the dyer to transfer the, the clothing? Isn't it obvious that we say that when the husband buys these things, he's a shliach? In other words, <laughs> even though you are asking them to do it and you're considered the shliach for the wife and children. So in this case too, right, when you're following the instructions, he's like the Balabais and, and, and he's like, and in the sense that he's doing their shlichus and therefore that's how we learn that when you do the proper shlichus, then you are doing it on their behalf. And it's for that reason that they get to keep it. The Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Abba, lo, call As you do with the shlichus that when you originally ordered it and therefore it's theirs, none of that applies here. This is not at the purchase of the Amazon level that we're going to say that that's Barry's shlichus and therefore you can't be Makadosh because really it belongs to either the kids or the Barry. No, no, no. Take all that away. It just means when Barry's Makadosh, all of his stuff, he's, it means everything except for his wife and kids' stuff. <laughs> that's all it means. It's for that reason it's left out. It's a, it's a lacha in, in, in Hekdesh, right? So Matkeflar Rezeir, Rechidato Shalom Maltfilov, but Rezeir asks, it's a fascinating idea. Okay, so Barry leaves out his wife's clothing and his wife's and his children's clothing. What about his tefillin? Literally, his tefillin, right? Says the says the Rashi Malin lo tefillin v'lova amos v'itain b'shvilin lehekdesh. Amazingly, Utsnan, we learned in the Mishnah over there in Erechin on Chav Gimel hamakdesh nechasav Malin lo tefillin that unbelievably, as Rashi said, that a person is makadesh makdesh all is nechasav, so his wife and kids get to keep their clothes, but the tefillin we have to assess Malin, right? In other words, you can't give your tefillin to the base of Mikdash. What are they going to do to it? But you have to borrow money and give that money to Hekdash, the value of the tefillin. Unbelievable. So the tefillin, certainly he didn't have in mind to give. In other words, what's more important to him, his wife and kids' clothing or his tefillin? It's all important. Wouldn't you think that he would have everything in mind to keep like that? So I'm like, I buy it in. Da'ita shaladam al tefillin. It's true that he has in mind his tefillin. And hamakdash nechosav savar mitzvah kavidna. That even though, that indeed, the wife's clothing... And, and the children's clothing is different than the tefillin. Because a person, a tzaddik who's makdashal is nechassiv, thinks he's doing a big old mitzvah, right? Therefore, he's including all of his tashmisha mitzvah, including his tefillin. But his wife and kids' clothing, he knows that he can't give that away because that's going to cause uh, bad blood in the house, right? That's going to be an awkward conversation when he says, I gave away all your clothing. Okay, so now 
But right, but but tefillin, that's his prerogative. So therefore, since he's a big tzaddik, he's giving away even his tefillin, right? The, uh, like Rosh Lomo uh, Karlbach on the plane, right? He went and he gave all this stuff to the Russians when he in, in the old days when he gave stuff to the Russians, and then there was a Russian kid who didn't have a yarmulke, so as well, he gave everything he owned, and then he gives him his yarmulke and puts it on his head. He's walking around bareheaded because every single thing, including his yarmulke, including his tefillin, he just gave away. He got more when he got back to America. So Khan. Um, so we're going to resume here, right? Matkiv uh, Ravoshia, three lines up from the wide lines on Kufbez, Amabez, Bezat Hashem, tomorrow.